Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. Hey, Steve here, and my podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use, and my Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well, use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmiletto.com sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Beth and Greg Langston about their program, College Flight Plan. And we're focused on how to help teens get accepted into the college of their choice. So much to find out, so much to learn. Thanks for listening. And by the way, it would be so cool if you would uh, go to my website, stephenmiletto.com slash reviews and uh, left a review. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that will be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmiletto.com slash sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. My guests today are Beth and Greg Langston. For the last 20 years, Beth and Greg have empowered students to master their self-discovery, allowing them to successfully activate their life's purpose. Beth, who graduated from Purdue University in education, has guided hundreds of high school students worldwide to navigate the dreaded college applications essay process with tremendous success. Greg graduated from Purdue's Cranert School of Business. Greg pursued an international business career, which allowed him to mentor hundreds of young professionals while leading businesses worth over $1 billion and working in 65 countries. By the time their uh, kids were 13, they had been to 12 schools and lived in five countries. My goodness. Uh, today, we're talking about top five early actions that lead to college success. 
college flight plan, and some helpful, awesome resources. Beth and Greg, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Well, thanks for having us, Steve. We're excited to be here. Steve, we've been looking forward to this episode, so it's a great day. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you guys here, and I've been looking forward to this too. This is and, and, and when we get started, let's just let's just start here. How did you get started helping teens? Well, actually, we we started with our own kids. They were our guinea pigs, right, Greg? Absolutely. We didn't <laughs> so, kill them. Yeah, that's right. Nice, and nice. What what we do? I just want to say what we do. We help students figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are and what they are passionate about and naturally gifted to do so that they can choose a major or a career. And if they major in something and go to college, that they can get finished in four years and not spend six years like a lot of kids do. But we started with our own kids because, uh, as you said, we raised them overseas. So by the time our son was 13, he'd been to 12 schools in five countries, which was a great experience for all of us. And we were all able to learn foreign language. Actually, Greg grew up doing this, so he already knew these languages, but the kids and I had to learn them. And they experienced uh, other nationalities and gained a great appreciation for them. For instance, when we were in Singapore, the Singapore American School had 76 nationalities represented in K through 12. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It It was like a little United Nations there. So it was a wonderful experience. And as an educator, I was always very involved in their schooling. Sometimes we would do homeschooling if like Australia is on a different school year than we were. So I had to get them through until school started in January. And then in Mexico, our kids were the only English speakers in their grade school, except for another Canadian young man. And so in the evening, they would come home with their homework and we would have the Spanish English dictionary in one hand and their homework in the other. And we would spend two to four hours plowing through all their homework but they could do it. Kids are so capable of doing so much more than we think they can. And also one year we even had a school in our home for third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade (laughs) where we helped educate some other um, expatriate children and brought a teacher down from the States. And that was a great year of schooling. And, uh, but we thought, gosh, by the time they get to high school, we need to get back to the States. Uh, because we needed to prepare them for that college application process, which we knew didn't just begin senior year. So the problem is when we got back to the States, we found nobody was preparing the kids early enough. And there were a lack of opportunities to discuss their strengths and their weaknesses and their values and their purpose and to set their goals. And so we thought, this is crazy. And on the other hand, Greg as an international executive running large U.S. corporations, he had been provided with hours and hours of executive training and coaching. And this equipped him with the skills and assessments that improved him as a person, improved his leadership, his team player. And he kept saying, why did I have to wait 20 years to learn all this about myself and improve myself? And why aren't we teaching this to our high school kids right now? So with Greg's executive training and my education background, we started developing tools to try out on our own children, our little guinea pigs, and they survived and they did well. And then we started to do workshops with their friends and other students in the area, and it just kept growing. And we saw such a transformation in these students that we got excited and decided we need to do this more. So we would 
hold workshops back in the day. And that was now, 20 years ago. Yeah. Now with COVID, we've put it all online and uh, we're trying to reach more kids. I wish every kid could have this self-discovery process in one form or another. That's so cool because, you know, it's, you know, this is a side note. Of course, I'm ancient history, but uh, I can remember uh, I was focused on college and coming from a household where I, w- I was the first one going to trying to go to a four-year institution, whereas my parents both had gone through two-year institutions and gotten different licenses and certificates. Um, I was looking at going to a four-year, and uh, um, and so they really couldn't help me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then you know I, I discovered something about not that there's anything wrong, but at the same time, my counselors at school actually hey, he. He meant well, but he didn't know how to help me either. And I, I was trying to go to, I was really focused on trying to go to the military academy, one of the military academies. And, uh, um, and it was, uh, you know, so I had to figure it out on my own is my point. And there's no internet then <laughs> or any of that type of stuff. Right. And, uh, and, and so I ended up figuring out, by the way, one of the things I discovered on my own was that as I got nominated, but not appointed to, uh, um, the air force academy, I, uh, I discovered something because I checked a little box on the ACT that said I was interested in military schools. All of a sudden I found out there's a whole nother world of military schools out there. <laughs> and uh, that was simply, you know, stuff on my own. And so I, I ended up becoming an officer by going to one of those um, programs, one of those military colleges that existed that mm-hmm. uh, allowed me to get my commission and uh, finish up. But I had to kind of find my way. <laughs> and, uh, and I know that in this modern world, it, it happens that way too. And you learn a lot of different things that, uh, that if you can help kids figure it out, everything from the, the types of things that are, do uh, make a difference in your application process to uh, just all this stuff that, uh, you know, how to target, you know, sometimes what's unrealistic and what is. <laughs> um, right. And then and when uh, you can afford and what you can't. <laughs> yes, very much so. Exactly. I, I, um, that is a big one of them. And then also kind of some little hidden things like, um, in some universities, there's a, uh, time frame that if you apply in the early time frame, you have a chance to get accepted minus the giant application. Uh, it, and, uh, if you miss that time frame, suddenly you have to do all these other hoops and whistles and you know, bells and whistles and all that sort of stuff. And, yes. um, and I learned that one as an adult, uh, but fortunately it was in time to help my kids <laughs> benefit from right. that one. But right. That's what we find a lot of parents who have never been this through this before or families who haven't been through it before. They're like, Oh gosh, we, you know, there's only one essay that they have to write and it's easy. We can start at the beginning of senior year and that's when it gets so stressful because they think it's a very simple process or that the school is going to help them through it. But, oh man. So the, the average amount of students per college guidance counselor is 424 to one. And it should be around 200 to one here in California. It's 900 to one. So they can't wow. possibly do it all. We got to get help. We got to yeah. get help. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair in, in my town where I went to school, I had a, one of those high schools where uh, we were just under 600 in my senior class. And so, you know, it's, yeah, I can only imagine the other classes too. So it's, it, you know, when you have that many, that's, it's kind of hard to be able to help them all know exactly what to do. So uh, you're so right. So let, let's kind of shift into talking about one of the things you guys talk about is the importance of, uh, uh, of something called self-discovery um, with teens. What are you talking about? What's, what's that all about as we kind of wean our, 
you know, get ourselves into uh, what you do for them? Well, in today's day and age, uh, young people measure themselves by their social media feed in terms of what's important and what's not important. And <clears throat> what we believe is very important is for a student to really find out what are their strengths, what do they do well, what are their weaknesses, what are some core beliefs that they have. Um, initially, they've got the core beliefs of their family uh, that they are following, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And then what happens is you need to help them to understand what is it that is your skill, your own particular skill. What are you passionate about? How do you uniquely solve problems? And these are things that parents can help their kids to figure out so that they can determine what is it that I want to do? What do I want to study in college? Or in some cases, I don't want to go to college. I want to go into a vocation, whether I would be a pipe fitter or a welder or some other activity. Many times people go into a college because they're obligated by a parent and they drop out after two years and they've got $100,000 worth of debt and nothing to show for it and they're not passionate. And so what's extremely important is that a student finds out what is their unique ability. And we believe that everybody can be a rock star. You just got to figure out what vocation or what discipline it is that, that really gets you excited. That's, that's awesome because you know, it's, you know, one of the things I love about uh, our culture as a, as a country in the United States is that we are, you know, kids have the opportunity to change their minds, um, you know, because, and I'll use me once again as an example, and at one point when I'm like uh, 12 years old, I wanted to be a comic book artist. I was very focused on that, and then I, then I got this whole focus on, uh, in the background was this, this military thought. But then I started thinking about being a veterinarian and the veterinarian thing solved itself when I went to work during the summer with a vet's office and went, uh, you know, animals die. <laughs> and that was a sad summer. I mean, I got some cool experiences out of it too, but they, they, they were, I'm like, yeah, this ain't for me. I, you know, I cry Bambi and Dumbo and, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, I couldn't make that. So, you know, it, you know, a big part of kind of learning who you are and what you want uh, is allowed to happen in our in our culture, which is cool. And uh, I think that's right. neat that you're kind we of encourage our students to get uh, on the job training and people are willing to do this. Our son thought his whole life that he wanted to be in the medical field, just like you with veterinary school. So uh, at, in his high school years, he was able to intern. He wanted to be a surgeon, he thought. So he was able to intern with a cardiovascular surgeon and a neurosurgeon. And he went to work with them. He even sewed up people. And But by the end of his time with them, he said, this is not at all what I want to do. And we are so thankful because that would have been a lot of schooling, a lot of time taken up to only discover at the end that that's not what I want to do with my life. So he went in the world of finance and go figure. So he's a, he's a big financial guy these days and he loves what he does so but getting that experience is so important and so key and yeah, we just want to encourage the teachers and the parents to get out there and just sit down and listen and explore with your kids what what interests them and one way to do it is to say listen let's just think about it you know you're a freshman or a sophomore you know you probably think you haven't accomplished much what what are the three things that you're most proud of that you've accomplished so far in your life whatever it is, whatever subject it is, you know, I want you to write that down and we'll talk about it in an hour and then come back and talk about that. And you can find out what a certain individual is proud of and then take that onion, if you will, and start peeling back the layers of it and find out, okay, well, let's explore more about that passion of yours. Let's see if that is something that you want to do, whether it be 
a, vet, a veterinarian or you want to be a medical doctor. And let's figure it out if that's the right thing for you. And we just encourage parents to not think that the schools are going to do this for them. They have all the best intentions, but they can't do it. You've got to do it on your own. That, that is so true. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I think uh, some families, you have to encourage, you have to give them a nudge to actually want to be involved in it because they may be afraid that they don't know enough or something like this. And so what can I do? And, or, you know, and even, you know, some teens, I don't know, might be pushing back also, you know, stop trying to tell me what to do. (laughs) And so they get, they get worried about that type of pushback too. When, yeah, to me, it's your approach to it as opposed to telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, uh, has more to do with, you know, let's, let's try and explore, um, some ideas and thoughts. And I, and I think that's one of the one of the weaknesses of, uh, or not weaknesses, one of the pr- problems that some f- families and, and kids have run into, which is uh, they, um, you know, because they don't know what to do, they don't try and take any steps towards it. And so they just kind of, you know, kind of throw themselves off the cliff and go, here we go. And let's see what happens. And then- and we'll figure it out later. But <laughs> yes. when you're figuring it out later, it can be a very costly mistake. Very much so. Very much so. So good, good stuff. Yeah. So let's shift to talking about getting ready for college. I mean, what key statistics do you think every family should know about college success? Well, first and foremost, it'll be surprising to many, many people that only 40% of college graduates actually graduate in four years and a full 60% of them graduate in six years. And the reason for that is because more than 60% of them change majors at least three times. And that goes specifically to what we were talking about, Steve, that they're not sure what they should do and what is important to them. And so therefore, you know, I was talking to one assistant superintendent just recently, and he said his son changed majors seven times. And he on the sixth on the sixth uh, sixth time, just before he turned seventh, he was in he was in the kind of the introduction of the business school and the and his son was sitting next to somebody in environmental studies. And for 15 minutes, and he turns to his dad and said, you know, I'm not going to go to business. I'm going to go into environmental studies. This is the seventh major he chose. And so that's really costly, because if you look at an in-state school at the low end, it's going to be thirty to forty thousand dollars. If you look at a private school, it's fifty thousand dollars. If you look at an Ivy League higher end school, it's going to be eighty thousand dollars a year. And so if you go there for an extra two years, that's fifty to one hundred and sixty thousand dollars of expense that you are not interested in, you know, having to pay back. And so the, what we try to do is encourage parents, encourage students to figure out what it is that they want to do so that they can avoid those extra two years or one year and graduate on time and go earn something, earn an income so they don't also fly back into their basement. You know, they, they graduate in some degree that they can't make any money with that they're not really passionate about and they fly back into their parents' basement. Families don't want that either. Yeah, not at all. And that's one of those things where, uh, you know, you see it and you hear about, you know, uh, people complaining about, uh, Oh, it's not worth anything. Well, the problem is, is that you probably didn't go into it with a plan. And so you get, uh, as in anything, a business <laughs> venture the same way. If you don't go into it with a plan, you're going to end up at some point probably wishing you had. And, and I, I think that's an important aspect that gets left out of this because a, a big part of it is, you know, a lot of times kids think they know what they want to do. Maybe if, if they've been talking about it or paying attention to their friends, but then when they start looking at it, they may not really know what they want to do, or it may have been an idea or seed planted by somebody else, like a friend or, or even a family member that uh, they didn't realize mm-hmm. <laughs> how much that kind of 
started growing in their in their thoughts. I mean, I mean, one of the one of the things that uh, um, you got to run into though is that at least some kids are thinking about this stuff and uh, and maybe listening and so forth. What do you suggest to parents to do to help an unmotivated student, someone who's going, yeah, 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 whatever? (laughs) We end up with uh, sometimes students will start our course and they're like, oh, it's something else that mom and dad signed me up for, you know. (laughs) But once they get going and realize we do a 360 evaluation with their trusted contributors, eight trusted contributors that give feedback on them. And they take a, a, a survey that we send them. And so once they start getting this feedback, they get jazzed about it. They're like, oh my gosh, that's true. And then the next step, what, you know, we discover their values and what they're naturally gifted to do. And they're like, yes, this is what I do. So they, as they they get more motivated is what I'm trying to say. And sometimes what appears as an unmotivated teen is really a teen that's afraid of the future because they don't know what's going on. They don't know how to handle it. They figure their parents aren't instructing them maybe because the parents don't know how to handle going into this college process. And a lot of them get to college and they drop out after two years because they're not in an area of study that they enjoy. Then they've got that debt, two years of debt and no way to pay for it. And they have to go get educated somewhere else to do something that they would love to do. But we found that as they know more about themselves and explore and discover, they gain this great confidence in who they are and where they're going. And you know, every kid, they wanna know what they do well They want to know where they belong and they want to know how they can make a difference. And that's what we try to help them discover or however a parent can help them discover that that gets them on the path to the future where they get motivated to look to what am I going to do next? Right. And that's so important because they did a recent study that showed that 87 percent of people 16 to 29 say they have no purpose or meaning, which translates into I don't know what I want to study. I don't know what I want to do. So let me ask my friends or let me look at social media to make that determination. And that can be extremely costly and it, it's just not a productive uh, decision or a situation. So we just encourage the teachers, the parents and the students that are listening out there, go out and try to figure out what it is that you're interested in and test it and try it. And you'll find whether it's going to a college when you're a freshman You have no clue about what school you want to go to. Just go visit a college and see, hey, is this the kind of vibe that I like? Uh, Let me talk to somebody there. Let me talk to an admissions officer and see what they're looking for as a practice. And you get to understand, oh, this is interesting. Oh, let me, they showed me these labs. Well, I'm interested in robotics. Well, maybe I could, or drones, maybe I could figure out something about that. And what that does is that begins to kindle the idea and the interests that each student does have, because we believe that everybody has the ability to be very successful in something that they're passionate about. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome because I mean, it, if they really think, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to say this where it comes off right, but it's, you know, it's one of the problems is that circle of friends oftentimes that a, a teen has. And, and it's not that it's a bad problem. It's not my point is <laughs> that, you know, they, they get to talking to each other and sometimes that's where those ideas come from. Cause if you have no, no real thought, well, uh, you know, I, I like what Jonah's doing over here. So I think I'm going to, you know, do what Jonah's doing and, you know, and they kind of follow that path. And then, uh, you know, Jonah ends up going to another university someplace else. And, uh, and, you know, and suddenly the first person who was listening to Jonah is by themselves at, uh, 
this place mm-hmm. in a major that they really didn't think through. Um, you know, it's it's just interesting how just the different Im- influences can impact, you know. <laughs> and and I think a big part of what you guys do is help them understand what, you know, how to make these decisions. Is, is that kind of right? Absolutely. What's important to them? And what we do is we provide a kind of a paint-by-numbers structure so that all the courses and the classes and the videos are in two-and-a-half-minute increments. It takes about 12 hours to go through the whole program, but you do it in two-and-a-half-minute increments. And all of us have the ability to stay focused for two-and-a-half minutes. Um, Much more than that, that's probably a challenge. Mm -hmm. But what we do is we find is that you then have this incremental sharing of knowledge and understanding where they begin to gain a sense of momentum And they themselves continue to say, okay, well, what's next and what's next? And we've purposely layered the information in such a way with best educational background to be able to have them gain the clarity and the understanding. In addition, they've also picked an accountability partner who helps them work through the process. And that's so important because if you just say, I'm going to do something, I'm going to lose five pounds or I'm going to improve my scores uh, this next month the likelihood of success is single digits. If you communicate to your teacher and to your friends and to your uh, parents that you're going to do that, then the likelihood is 65%. But if you pick an accountability partner, the probability of accomplishing something is 95%. And so that's why we tie that into this process to help the student see and share and learn from their accountability partner to see if they're on track as far as their improvements. That's awesome. And, and, and that, and that's what the college flight plan is, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. what we're going to get in. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but that's, yeah. that's so cool. So uh, good stuff. Yeah. Let's kind of go back and let's talk about that application process for a minute. Uh, you know, what are some of those main or uh, in this case, top five early actions that parents can take to prepare their students for that college application? Because that can be a daunting thing. <laughs> yes, it is. It can be very daunting and, Uh, Getting help is key, we think. But the number one thing I always advise parents to do is to start early. And one thing also, what I've been finding, we're in the middle of application season right now, so I'm helping a lot of students. And what I've found is that um, keeping track of the awards or the activities that your student is in from the summer before freshman year, that's when that's what counts. Starting there, put it in a calendar. I mean, a lot of people don't keep paper calendars, but have a notebook or something just for that your student. A Google Doc or something. Yeah, some Google Doc somewhere where you can record this because I have many students now, they're like, well, I think I won an award freshman year or I've been on the honor roll this many years, but they don't know. And they go to the school counselor and the response is, I don't have time to look that up. And so we're stuck. I'm like, well, you can't put it if you if you don't know. So if, if parents could help do that, that's key. Or a student, write it down, you know, keep it somewhere safe that you know it will be. But start early. Start early with getting good grades. Freshman year in high school, we've got to keep those grades up from the get-go. Just like freshman year in college, you don't want to start out with a first semester with a poor GPA because then you spend all those years trying to catch up and get it higher, which is hard to do. So start out at the beginning. Start out, um, the the college um, admissions officers are looking, first of all, for good grades, 
and high test scores. That gives you permission to play in your application. So those things are very important. And then also they're looking for extracurricular um, accomplishments, which are very important. So if parents can find uh, a, opportunities for their children to get deeply involved in uh, volunteer activities. They want to see, colleges want to see commitment to an activity. So we can't wait till senior year to start this because in the beginning of senior year, you're already filling out your applications. We need to start freshman year. And they love entrepreneurial spirit, the applications officers do, the, the admissions officers at colleges. We had a, a, a boy in the neighborhood who collected food during COVID. He sent out flyers to the neighbors and the food was for those students who weren't going to school, but they got their meals at school. So he took it to the agency that distributed this food to kids that needed food that weren't going to school. And it was great. And he could put this on his resume and in his application that he did a good thing. And they love leadership positions too. So leadership isn't always captain or president, it's sometimes servant leadership is a great thing. So they, they need to have these opportunities. So start early with that too. Um, can you think of something else? Well, I think they need to learn about achieving clear, smart goals. I think is that goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. And they don't need to start that when they're in high school. There are tools and templates that you can use when you are in middle school and in elementary school that begin to establish specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound goals. I think that's extremely important. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is begin to establish a growth mindset with positive affirmations. I know that you are uh, a big proponent of, of Simon Sinek, who is more on the purpose side, but also on the growth mindset, which is um, Carol Dweck. And uh, he speaks and she speaks about the aspect and the, the power of positive affirmations. You know, kids today, how do they, we were talking earlier about the unmotivated, how are they, how do they see themselves in school? They immediately go to the round circles on their papers that are written in red, which is pointing out everything they did wrong. What we want to do is begin to have them consider those, but also reflect on those things that they are doing well and their strengths and their unique capable uh, activities that they can do effectively and, and can do well. And as parents, we should be asking our kids when they come home, gosh, how did you use your strengths today? How did you show your kindness? How were you helpful at school? You know, giving verbiage to their strengths and their positive actions that they take, you know, looking at things positively instead of catching them doing things wrong. We want to catch them doing things right. Yeah, the last thing I would say is help them to select an accountability partner. I remember when I was in college and I, I didn't want to work out one weekend, but I had a roommate who wanted to work out. And so the day that I didn't want to work out, he did. And the day that he didn't want to work out, I did. And so we held each other accountable and we got in shape. So that's something that can be learned uh, in school. And those are some of the things that we would encourage parents to do. That's awesome. And, you know, I, and I love the thought about the accountability partner because sometimes that's where there's there's more connection there that 
you know, they, instead of you're always telling me what to do, it becomes, <laughs> all right, fine. It's my turn to, you're going to tell me what to do this time. I'll tell you what to do next time. So <laughs> that type of thing. And it, it's, and it, it can be on something. It doesn't have to be workout, but let's say some, a student is struggling in their English class and they just can't figure out how to put it together and they don't want to go and talk to you. They don't want to talk to their teacher. They want to, they're just saying, what is it that I'm not getting? And they can talk to their friend and say, listen, it's really easy. I, I learned it this way. And so they, they, they then begin to support each other in subjects that, uh, that are important to them. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. And I'll never forget this uh, one friend that I had who was just, he had this cool system of how to uh, memorize stuff. And he was just very good at it. And then our paths crisscross in classes. And we had, we had one of these tests, these, the, the professor tested in a way in which you had to, you had to know the information because you had so many questions within a short period amount of time that if you didn't, you spent too much time on it, you're just in trouble. And, uh, I went to him, I said, how do you, how, how do you do that? And I did well in, I, I did very well in, in college, but I had no clue how to deal with this, or, or at least I did. It's, it's just that my method wasn't very, uh, <laughs> very good. And he taught me this cool thing with color coding and, and the way he memorized things using cards and all kinds of stuff like this, that, uh, I still use today if ever I have to memorize that much stuff. And I thought uh, that never would have happened if uh, he and I hadn't uh, connected that way. And it just uh, it was pretty cool. So, you know, accountability partners work a lot of different ways. And I use them in my work world now. I have a, a friend who reached out to me the other day and said, hey, Steve, I know you're working on that uh, project. And he told me he was going to bug me about it. He goes, did you get, did you finally submit it? And I said, yeah, not yet. And he said, I'm going to keep bugging you till you do. And so that was That's very helpful. Friend. It is. That's and, a good friend. And it, it paid off because I finally submitted it. <laughs> so I want to see what happens. But, uh, you know, it's, it's cool stuff. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I got to ask you about is, is this. Uh, um, you know, when it comes to writing the essay, <laughs> and it's funny because uh, I've run into multiple people now who – who uh, are, you know, in my age bracket, or, or and, and some of them are younger, and and they say things like, well, I just chose the place that didn't require an essay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, that, 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 you can do that. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. That's one tactic. So uh, can we talk a little bit about the application uh, essay? How important is it to prepare for that oh, and kind gosh. of approach it the right way? It is, it is so important because of the admissions officers, what they're looking for, as I said, is academic success first, and then extra, extracurricular accomplishments second. And the third thing, they're looking for students with self-awareness and a future plan. Students that know their values and their strengths, their weaknesses and natural inclinations, and that have a plan to use these for the future, because that's very rare. Most students haven't had to think about that. So, but it shows them that, you know, they're gonna be more, um, accomplished, they're going to be more successful in the college process because self-awareness is essential. It's an essential trait to being a great leader. By knowing your values, your personality, your needs, your habits, your emotions, and how they affect your actions and the actions of others, you'll be able to manage your stress better. And they want students who can manage their stress. They're looking for students who know who they are, they can hit the ground running when they arrive on campus, they make positive contributions to the campus life and around them. So, And then when they graduate, contribute to the school. Yes, they're going to graduate <laughs> and come back and contribute. So I they like can tell this in the essay by what you write, what your plans are. And it takes a long time. Everybody, almost everybody, if you're using the Common App these days, you have to write a 650-word 
personal statement. And it's not an English class essay at all, which a lot of kids think it is. Um, when they send me their first version, I'm like, oh my gosh, but where's the part about you? Because what they want to know, they want to know about you. They want to know what makes you tick, what your plans are, what your purpose is, what mistakes you've made and how you've overcome those or challenges. How have you overcome? How are you a victor and not a victim? And so as an essay writer, I pull all these wonderful things and information out of my students to get them to put their best foot forward. Because admissions officers only have, is it eight to 12 minutes per application to decide yay or nay. So you spent 12, <laughs> 12 to 14 years going to school and that gets uh, reflected in eight to 12 minutes worth of review. Nice. So you've got to make sure that you're choosing your words carefully. Yes. That's wild. That's I just in. Yes, definitely. I, I can't. I mean, you think about it. Um, your future can be determined by those words that you chose to use or not use. In so that, true. Uh, and that's just one essay. Like here out here in the University of California system, you submit one application for any of the UC schools you want to go to. But you have to write four essays, 350 words each. So. A lot of people think, oh, I'll just do the essay last minute. It takes a long time. I think the most I've done in a two-week period with a very motivated student, we did um, 15 essays back and forth, back and forth, just getting him oh where he wanted them to be and out the door and grammatically correct. Oh, my gosh. Here's but, uh, a, enough, before okay. you talk about the Indian lady who I think is <laughs> where you're going, the, high, the idea of starting early enough in submitting your essays. You know, the deadline, one of the deadlines was November 1st. It just came in. Yes. Beth had a student that is uh, an international student that submitted something at, I think it was like one at one in the afternoon to Beth and said, it's due at midnight tonight. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Okay. You know, in that instance, all we can do is grammar corrections then. You know, we can't get the ideas going because there's not enough time. I start working at the end of junior year with my students because we know what a lot of these application prompts, these essay prompts are going to be. So we can dig in. And a lot of the schools have why Penn. That was our son. He went to Penn Wharton School of Business, but he had to answer why Penn? Why do you want to go to Penn? So we call that, you know, why NYU? Why, you know, why UNC? You have to research the university and show a demonstrated interest. You just can't give a generic answer for each one. But I interrupted you relative yeah, to that lady. I know. So. so I had a student who, well, by the time she came to me, she was already getting rejection letters or waitlisted on some major universities. And she was so qualified. She had done so many entrepreneurial things, volunteers, started blogs and websites. I mean, she was Very so qualified, bright. but she never got help with her essay. And so by the time she got to me, if you're on a wait list, you have to write another essay that says, what have you been doing since you first applied to our university? So I was helping her with that essay. And I said, can you show me the essay that you submitted as your personal statement? In the first paragraph, there were grammatical errors. And if they only, especially these high-end schools, if they only have eight to 12 minutes, you might be qualified everywhere else, but if they'll ding you for having grammatical errors in your essays. So you have to get help, at least some other eyes to look at it and make sure that at least the grammatical errors aren't there. Or when you're reusing an essay and you cut and paste Ohio State versus <laughs> Alabama, uh, you leave the, per the previous state in your document, that doesn't you go over real do well. Gotta be so careful. 
<laughs> so much so. And you're making me think about people who, you know, as a former principal, uh, high school principal, I receive uh, applications for uh, teaching jobs. And yeah, there's nothing better than receiving an application that has even the wrong name on it. Um, oh, wow. yeah. And especially when you know that name, it's like, yeah, yeah. okay, you're not even writing to me. Okay, thank you very much. So I can imagine if you're applying for college, you just, uh, that's, yeah, that doesn't go over well, especially, especially like if you're like, uh, oh, I don't know, I, the Ohio State University and uh, you confuse them with Michigan or something like that. So, oh, right. gosh, right? That'd be a bad, really bad one. So good stuff. What, what do you think is, I mean, What's one of those big family challenges for completing the application? I mean, what do you what do you think? Is it just the essay itself, or is there more to it than that? Well, I'd say there's more to it since we're right in the middle of this. Every the first thing I forgot to say is that every essay in an application has to be in that student's voice. So parents can help, but please don't write the essay for them. The admissions officers at the colleges, they can tell if one was written by the student and one was written by the parent. And that is not, that's a do not play. <laughs> you can't come here and play. So uh, keep it in your own voice. Also, there's a whole activity section in these applications where you have to describe in very few characters how you were involved and what you did. And that takes cutting down and you can't waste your words. So I, I also go over their whole application if they want to hire me to do that. And I'm glad to do it to make sure that everything is filled out and correct and in your words and in your voice. And you're putting your best foot forward when you submit that application. And if they say 250 words, 251 words is not acceptable. They'll cut you off. They'll cut you off. <laughs> and one of the things that you get is somebody says, okay, I'm submitting this for my 250 word essay and it comes in at 700 words. And yeah. you're like, I'm like, what? I have to cut down 500 words. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's funny. I just, I, so what part of 250 did you not understand? <laughs> it's like, you know, and I don't mind. I like my students to overwrite, give me more information so I can eliminate your redundancies, but I can't create information for you. But also don't try and pick out the biggest word, oh. sesquipedalian words that no one understands. Just write in a language that everybody understands. Yeah, it's as if you're speaking to your, your best friend. What would you sit down and say to them? Or if you had 10 minutes with the admissions officers, what would you say to them? And how would you say it? Would you really use that word? Nobody uses that word. <laughs> That's funny because in this modern world that we're in, you know, it, it's, it's not my day of opening up a thesaurus <laughs> today. Yeah. They go on there and there's all kinds of tempting aspects where you could copy, uh, paste and do different stuff. And, yes. and the uh, next thing you know is it's definitely not you. <laughs> right. Definitely. What a tempting thing. So, uh, um, so I got to ask you, you mentioned a little bit about this. I mean, how can students promote themselves to the college admissions teams? I mean, what, what sort of strategy do you use there? Hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to take over this conversation, but I love this area. So she's not passionate about this at all. Is she? <laughs> no, not so at all. For my students, I encourage them call the admissions office with a well thought out question. Even if you know the answer to the question, call them it will go on your record that you're demonstrating an interest in this university ask for an interview if you're out of the area call and say i would like an interview with somebody from your school uh, because i'm very interested in this if you get waitlisted that is not the end of the world our precious daughter-in-law she 
was in Memphis, Tennessee, and she got waitlisted at UNC. She drove to UNC. This was back in the day when you could get on campus and not, you know, pre-COVID days. She went and waited in the admissions office until somebody could talk to her. She went in. She said, these are the reasons why you'd need me at your school, how, how I will contribute. And sure enough, the acceptance letter came the next week. So there are things we can do. No doesn't always mean no, or wait doesn't always mean wait. You, we teach our kids to promote themselves. You're your own walking billboard and clean up that internet too. I mean, if you have an Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you better make sure it's clean and good and positive because they'll be looking at them. You know, just as another funny aspect to all of it is that, that, you know, just as much as the students checking out the universities, once you apply, then they can turn around and check you out. Mm-hmm. And to that point, uh, some people say, oh, now they're making tests optional. And so many students and their parents say, oh, that's great. The fact is, if you they, the schools still need to determine if you are a proper fit for the school. So what they will do is they will look more closely at the curriculum and the grades and your involvement, they will dig down where they need to in order to get additional information. So if you think you're just going to get a pass by not taking the ACT or SAT, uh, that's a mistake. And some this year has been unique uh, because a lot of the ACT, SATs were scheduled and then they were canceled. And so it's frustrating for kids. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future. We'll see. Uh, but I would encourage people to start early, freshman year of high school, and practice those tests. Get help because it's all about strategy. I like that. That is awesome. And uh, it's good, good advice. And so now let's kind of dive into the college flight plan that you have. So tell everybody a little bit more about it, where they can find it and, uh, and uh, how they get started and, and why they should want to. Sure. Well, the the process is a three-phase self-paced process. It takes 12 hours to complete, but not in one sitting. The student begins by selecting an accountability partner. We spoke about that before. And then they go into the discovery phase, and that's where they figure out what are their personal core values. They then do a 360 assessment in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, where they pick eight trusted advisors that give them information. They then take a Colby assessment that determines how they uniquely problem solve. And I should point out that contrary to just a questionnaire that somebody takes in terms of strengths finders or so on uh, and so forth, they're going to get from the 360, they'll get 200 data points from people that care about them, that are invested in them, that says, these are your strengths. These are your weaknesses. This is how you add value to other people. This, these are the majors or vocations we think you should study. And then armed with that information, they develop what we call their distinct natural ability statement. Young people don't know, as I mentioned earlier, 87% don't know what they, you know, their purpose or meaning. What we do is we help them take the information that they've gotten with that self-discovery and craft a paragraph, which is their distinct natural ability, their DNA paragraph that says, this is your wheelhouse. You're really, really good at doing these things so that when you're faced in school or on a job or on a team to contribute in some fashion, if you are focused on these efforts or these exercises, you know that you're gonna be successful, which gives them a sense of confidence. They then take that information and create a purpose statement that's based upon their history and their life, 10 different stories that they then create and craft their own why statement, you know, why do I do what I do? And then they establish aspirational goals in the areas of health, wealth, wisdom, and relationship. 
Um, in your life, you create money through your career, which is your wealth success element. How you create money for yourself in your schooling years, your five next five years when you're in high school and college, is your educational accomplishments. So what are the things that you're going to, your accomplishments and your goals that you're going to establish? So you determine what those goals are out when you're 65 years old for health, wealth, wisdom, and relationships. Most parents haven't done that. Then you go to the determined phase and you say, if I'm gonna have these aspirational goals, what am I not going to do that I'm currently doing? And two things that come out are, one is too much social media, not all social media is bad, but much of it is, and I'm not getting enough sleep. And so then you determine what are your five-year and your one-year goals and daily actions that you're going to take to get you closer to those aspirational goals. And then armed with that information, you're able to much more effectively pick a college major and you pick core majors. You have your primary, your secondary, and a tertiary major so that you can pretty, pretty quickly and decisively decide, this is what I really want to do. And then armed with this information, you go to the third phase, which is your direct phase, where you really develop that growth mindset, the affirmations, understanding how you work and how you can work effectively. And you create a one minute elevator speech, which is 150 words, where at the drop of a button, you can be interviewed with somebody and they say, why do you want to come to this university or why should we give you this job? And you can press play in your mind and just explain, these are my strengths, these are my values, this is how I'd add value to the school, these are the ways that I problem solve and so forth. We had one student who's in Bogota, Colombia, who was considering going to a uh, university in Spain, and the interviewer said, so tell me about yourself, and he went into his elevator speech and absolutely floored this person. They said, oh my goodness, how did you come up with this? And he said, well, I went through my self-discovery. And so what this does is this then takes the information through that this 12 and a half hour process, 12 hour process, and part and parcel to it is instead of a parent saying, so how was this course that you went through? And the, the student goes, great, fine, or, you know, or grunts. Uh, what happens in this case is part and parcel, the student has to take the information that they've learned and they sit down with their accountability partner and their parents and say, these are my values and this is why they're important. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. These are my aspirational goals, five-year, one-year goals. These are the core majors. Here's what I want to study. This is my purpose. This is my purpose and here's how I add value to everybody else. And this is what I want to do. And that's really transformative for the, for the student. And it also really reduces the stress in a family because when they're in a senior year, they're all running around with their hair on fire and uh, pointing fingers and over obligated. And what the self-discovery allows them to do is to say, you know what, I'm in three sports. I don't need to be in three sports. I'm in these activities. I don't need to be in these activities. This is what I wanna do. I'm gonna deselect these activities. And so that's what happens through this process. And it's so cool to be in the meeting with the parents when the student is presenting their summary statement to them or their summary document. And the parents are like blown away because they're seeing this transformation in their kid who now has clarity in knowing their values, their strengths and weaknesses, purpose and major. And this confidence that their child has in clearly understanding and articulating like what makes them unique. And, and they can use these as they through the application process or job interview process or their essays. And then they see that their student or their teen has a little bit more control over their future because they have actionable 
plans and goals. And the parents are like, sometimes they're in tears. They're like, oh my gosh, what did you do to my child? (laughs) (laughs) In a good way. And this is also valuable when you have a family where the matriarch and the patriarch is determined that, you know, everybody in the family is a lawyer or everybody in the family is a doctor. And, uh, and Emma's going to be a doctor, you know, whether she likes it or not. And Emma would actually be a horrible doctor. But through the self-discovery process, you find out that Emma could be a fantastic architect and contribute to the family and to herself and her passion and, and, and not be miserable and not waste a lot of money. And so this is also very valuable and empowering for the students. And for the parents, they feel more at ease to let their child take control of their future. I love all that. That's, that's so powerful. And I you know, wish you guys had been around when I was making these decisions. <laughs> all our parents say that too. Yeah, like, you do this for parents? <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, I, I think any number of things would pay off there. That's cool. I, you know, and, the, and just let's just remind everybody, the college flight plan is found where? At collegeflightplan.com, collegeflightplan.com. You can find Beth at Beth at collegeflightplan.com or me at Greg at collegeflightplan.com. And we've also created a parent starter kit for your for your families that provides a tremendous amount of information with some of the key statistics we shared, some five early actions, some free assessments, ACT, SAT prep information, and they can get that by going to collegeflightplan.com slash guide. That is awesome. It's so cool. And, and this is so much, I mean, I, um, even, I mean, administrators for schools and, and, and uh, counselors and such should be uh, trying to figure out how they can get you to come talk to, <laughs> to their kids and so forth. That's good stuff. We would love to. We would love to. We were recently with uh, an assistant superintendent here in California, and he said, in my 38 years of teaching, I have never seen a program that takes the social-emotional learning, the SEL, of a student, couples it with actionable activities. It's practical SEL that integrates the interests of the school, the counselors, the parents, and the student. This is fantastic. So we're really excited, and we want to get this out to as many schools and as many students as possible. Very cool. And so I'm going to do my share here. I'm going to be sharing it out there when it goes live. Yay, so thank good, you. good stuff. Oh, thank you. I, all right. Before we finish up, I got two questions I want to ask you, which are questions that I want to ask. I like to ask my guests. So if I could do that. And the first one goes like this. How do you guys keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Oh, gosh. Well, mainly it's because we are inspired and we love what we do and we love our kids. I mean, our students there, each one has a different story and a different background. And, uh, you know, they are wonderful and to see the transformation in them. And we, we are second generational now. We have a, we had a student from uh, Albania. Albania 20 years ago. And now his nephew who, who just applied to, and was accepted to schools in Florida from Albania. He is here at school too, and he's been through our program. We got him a great scholarship. Not that we do scholarships, but there are people out there that do them. This just happened to be an Eastern European scholarship. But I think just loving what you do, and that's that's what kids, you know, we've all had a couple hard years here with COVID. And if kids can find their purpose and love what they do, that will help keep them motivated too. So we talk about the student finding out what their purpose is. We're living our purpose by doing what we're doing. I love that. That is awesome. Uh, Last question. Uh, Do either of you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? 
Oh gosh, it was my vice principal of my high school, Eldon L. Hopkins. He's still a good friend today, and uh, he was just wonderful. You know, we can count the good teachers we've had on one hand, probably, which is kind of a sad commentary, but our favorite teachers, maybe. And uh, he was definitely one of them. He, he because he was the uh, vice principal, he didn't teach in the school, but he had to fill in for chem. He was a chemistry teacher. I was doing horribly in chemistry. The teacher was not good. And Hop came in one day. I learned more from him in one day of teaching chemistry than the whole semester of the other guy. So, but he was just wonderful. He cared, you know, teachers care. It's so great to see teachers that really invest in their students and love them. And that's what we do. We love, we love our students. And mine was John Coleman, who believed in me more than I believed in myself. Mm -hmm and saw things that I didn't see in myself and inspired me. And uh, as I say it to you, I'm getting goosebumps as I think about him and the impact he had on my life. So these are special moments that you teachers out there in the audience, you are impacting students day in, day out. And yeah, the statistics show that a high school student currently is engaged in his school at 30 to 35%. But it's you teachers that step up and stand out and connect with those students that make it all worthwhile and you know have people like us that speaking decades later how you had an impact on their lives and so we thank you for your teacher for, we thank our teachers for that awesome thank you so much for sharing uh, both of you and uh, beth and greg thank you so much for sharing your thoughts about top five early actions that lead to college success college flight plan and those awesome resources that you've made available what an you know just what an awesome focus you guys have and uh, by the way listeners Go to the show notes and find the free link to Beth and Greg's Parent Starter Kit to Teen Self-Discovery. This guide shares in more detail what they cover today. This link also includes their top five early actions that lead to college success, which helps your teen stay on track for the future. Remember to go to collegeflightplan.com slash guide for more information. And I'll have that linked in the show notes. So uh, thanks so much, Beth and Greg. Wishing you the best in all you do. Well, thanks Thank for having you. us, Steve. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts, Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.